Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. An interesting trading week that we had. Of course, we know the WASI. We've had a lot of discussions about it, but we're going to kind of take a look at a little bit of other factors that have worked into it post-report information. We'll take a look at the weather. Um, some rumors that are coming out of Argentina. What's that going to mean for soybeans? We're going to take a look at that and a whole lot more on this week's episode. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. Welcome back once again. It was a busy week in the market trade, up and down. I made the comment earlier, it was a roller coaster ride. You better have your seatbelt tight because we saw lots of flips and turns. The market that ended up selling for the most part into the positive. Good way to end the week as we bring on Jeff Peterson. Jeff, of course, with Heartland Farm Partners and Arlen Suter of Stonex. And, and gentlemen, we had a WASD report. I kind of wanted to start there, even though we've talked a lot about it this week. I kind of wanted to get, now that you guys have had a few days to digest all those numbers, and all the discussions that happened on the wheat side on social media as well. Kind of to get your feel uh, of what happened in this trade. And let's see, we're going to uh, start out here and uh, bring Arlen in. Arlen, if you can kind of give us your perspective as to what you're seeing. Well, I thought there were two big surprises that the Algo computers really jumped on from this report. And I think that this had report had come out uh, 15, 20 years ago when we were trading the pits without the computers, it would have been a much different response. Uh, but that one was the much bigger than expected wheat crop. And number two was the much bigger than expected soybean ending stocks number. Now the soybean ending stocks number for the new crop was at 300 million bushels. That was down 50 million from the previous month. But when you lose 4 million acres, the trade was looking for something closer to 200 million bushels. But I think as the market began to digest it a little bit, said, okay, much of the difference was the fact that USDA chose to wait until August to adjust their yield. And that really shouldn't be a surprise to us. I, I think there's some significant questions yet what this year's yield will be for soybeans. Uh, will it be above trend? Will it be below trend? Maybe significantly below trend. That all depends on how we finish out the growing season. But the bottom line is if you take one bushel off that yield, suddenly you're getting close to that 200 million bushel ending stocks number. That doesn't leave much margin for error. So it's not necessarily bullish, but the trade came back and said, maybe we really don't want to be building short positions until we see how this crop uh, growing season kind of plays out. Jeff, for you, kind of what, what's your feel on, on what you're seeing in the corn and the beans uh, post-WASDE report of, of this week? Well, it was it was really interesting. It's interesting how human emotion works when a report comes out, you know, so we're back there on the on 12th on Wednesday and we we all of a sudden see corn down uh, 17 and three quarters and and you end up having soybeans down 32 and a half. And you're sitting there looking at that going, boy, got a lot of surprise here. Um, and I'd agree exactly what Arlen said. Those are some of the key things that came out. And then all of a sudden we come into the next day's trade and we actually bounce our markets back up and you know, on the corn side, would close up 16 and three quarters. We're up uh, actually about 42 on the soybean side. And, and you're looking at that saying, okay, so what's that telling us? What's the market telling us? Well, it's telling us that 
we know that we've got basically over 50% of the corn and soybean areas in the U.S. that are short to very short on subsoil moisture. And really what that does, that extends that uncertainty about getting those very timely rains. If we kind of had the, the setup that we'd had, we had a lot of good subsoil moisture, then the market doesn't get nearly as concerned. But there's still some areas, especially as we start seeing some of that dryness coming in, you know, it's being forecast and maybe across parts of North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, maybe as far south is into, you know, north central Iowa. We'll have to watch that and see how that ridge sets up. But that just tells us the market's a little uncertain there. And then we move over to soybeans. And I think the big thing on the soybeans in the back of everybody mind, they go, OK, so now when do these additional crush facilities come online and what could crush do down the road? And not that crush will make a huge difference, but it's a combination of factors. There'll be additional crush demand as we go forward. Arlen mentioned the importance when you go ahead and pull down the yield. And then we saw a pretty big reduction happen, and probably rightly so, on the soybean export side. But there's still a lot of questions there in regard to will that actually happen at the price levels we're at, Susan. So overall, with today's action a little stronger than again on corn, uh, holding steady there on beans for the most part, actually feel a lot better than I thought I would when the report first came out. Now, a question for both of you on this, and, and Arlen kind of brought it up, if it had been kind of back in the day when we had the pit trade, would it have been better for this report to not be midday trade so you guys get a chance to digest more of it to see a market reaction? Jeff, I'll start with you. You know, that's I kind of miss those days, actually, when, mm -hmm. when we had that. It gave everybody a chance to just kind of digest everything. I do think it would have made a difference, and I, I don't think we'd have had the movement that we ended up seeing. That, that's my opinion anyway, Susan. So what's your opinion, Arlen? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, the computers instantly were crashing the soybean market within seconds of the numbers hitting the, t hitting the tape. And uh, I, I think if it was a market closed situation and just a human element, they would have looked at it all, put it in perspective. We might have been down 10 to 15 cents that day and then bounced back the next day or something. But then you, once you went down hard, who was going to buy against that market? And the momentum trading algos were trading, were adding sell orders to amplify that move down. Now, I wanted to ask you about this rumor that's happening with Argentina and their soy dollar program. Yeah, they've had three soy dollar programs already, and that's where uh, Argentine government needs dollars in order to make its dollar-denominated debt payments. And the rumors in Argentina now is that it is clean out of dollars or very low levels of dollars needed to make those payments. So it needs to generate dollars. And one of the ways it can do that is, of course, their soybeans are, are sold, and many of the grains are sold based on the Chicago Board of Trade in dollars and then converted to pesos. And so if they can get farmers to sell their soybeans, which they like to hang on to them as money in the bank, rather than having pesos in the bank that are losing value. So if they can have a high enough incentive conversion rate of pesos to dollars, they can incentivize farmers to selling. And after doing it three times, the farmers know, hey, we don't need to sell, we'll just wait till the next program comes along. The question is, can they offer a high enough conversion rate? Because I remember the days when 40 pesos to the dollar was considered a weak peso. And now I asked uh, check today what the uh, current blue rate is for the peso, and it's 516 pesos to the dollar. So can the government actually offer a large enough conversion rate? There was a meeting between government officials 
and exporters. And uh, it looks likely that it's going to move forward with a fourth program here to try to encourage movement. Generally, there's a thinking there may be about three to 400 million bushels that are still available that the farmer has not sold yet that he could sell under such a program. The third program last winter was not very successful. They really need to see greater success this time around to generate the dollars they need to make their dollar denominated debt payments. So as we look um, here back into the States, Jeff, and, and we know that the harvest has been continuing in, in South America, we're trying to get a crop to meet the demand that we hopefully get to see export wise. Weather's playing a huge role in it. Where do you see that's going to be playing in this market going forward? Yeah, the, the weather is, is it's going to continue. It's going to hang on here yet because if, uh, if we would not have these dry subsoil conditions like what we've got, I would say everybody would be a lot more comfortable. But the big question on everybody's mind is that if we go forward here and, and not looking at the major corn producing areas to be in warmer temperatures, but if the precip backs off a little bit in some of these areas such as North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota and parts of in north central Iowa, maybe even northwest Iowa, and they haven't caught quite as much across North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota rain as they would have liked here the last week or so, uh, then all of a sudden there gets to be a little more uncertainty on how we're going to fill this crop because we're just really getting to maximum water usage in there. So we're going to start hearing a lot more about the rows around on these ears, which I, I would sure think we would have had some impact because of our conditions we had you know, early when that in that real important stage was. And then, but in here, we have to make sure we get good pollination and we get good fill to make sure that we're able to, you know, come up with a crop. Because if we don't uh, end up having a good fill, then the yield setting from where we're at right now would need to come down a little bit, Susan. Well, I'm sure that's going to take a little pressure off this dry land as it's not going to, you know, lose the crop that that is still trying to fight, but it'll help it a little bit with this moisture. It's interesting, though, we're talking to some of our people and it's not all over, but south central Nebraska. And if you're far enough east, maybe between that uh, Highway 81 and Highway 14 corridors in there, uh, you know, they're they're about giving up on a lot of that dry land in that area. Now, there'll still be some good dry land in Nebraska in pockets, but but it's it's an interesting year, Susan. All right. As we get ready for the home stretch in here, Arlen, uh, Black Sea region, uh, this grain initiative continues to pop into the story line, what are we seeing? Yeah, kind of on again, off again type of a story. And I think the market's tiring of it. It's pretty skeptical whether it's going to be extended this time around. But even if it is extended, will Russia allow it to function? They really haven't allowed it to function for the last uh, 30, 45 days. Um, so going forward, if it isn't extended beyond Monday, then there's going to be supposedly talks in Turkey with President Putin in August. So Ukraine expects there to be very little movement out of its ports in the rest of July and August. But if those fails, um, Ukraine says it wants to go ahead and try to ship and operate the initiative without the support of Russia. So then the question is, will Russia allow that to happen? And will shippers feel safe enough going in there, even if the insurance is subsidized? And that's going to be the key. All right, gentlemen, great conversation today. Went way too fast. Thanks for joining us this week. You bet. Thanks a lot, Susan. Thank you, Susan. Just a reminder, folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss that's not suitable to all investors. That is this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup on the Rural Radio Network.